0: Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Episode 7 for August 17th, 2017. This Week in Voice is brought to you by Voice XP, blazing the trail in voice technology. Voice XP is taking the lead in developing Alexa skills for the best brands in the world. With Voice XP, all you have to do is say it to revolutionize your marketing strategy. Check these guys out at www.voicexp.com. We are thrilled to be joined today by two amazing guests. Our first one is Jess Thornhill. Jess, say hello. Yes,
1: yeah, thanks very much. Uh, thanks for inviting me as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm Jess. I'm a product manager at um, Lifebot, which is a voice startup currently in this uh, summer batch of Y Combinator. Um, so, voice app, um, LifeBots planning to become the only voice app that you ever need to complete daily activities with your voice. Um, so, obviously, there are so many different um, voice apps out there, There's 15,000 Alexa skills in the store, but people don't really know which ones to use, how to actually use them once they've enabled them. So, we're trying to solve that problem by um, focusing on productivity and sort of daily tasks and becoming that one place, that one source of truth where everyone can go to, um, to, to complete your daily activities. Uh, we just launched on the Alexa store two and a half weeks ago. So, um, yeah, try us out and
0: tell us what you think. Excellent. Thank you for that explanation. Thank you very much for sharing your time and your insight with us today.
2: No problem.
0: Our second guest is Brian Romley. Brian, say hello.
2: Hello, everyone.
0: Brian, thank you for joining us uh, once, once again this week. What is going on in your world? I, I preach the gospel of multiplex each week. Uh, do you have a new issue out or what, what are you, what, what's up with you?
2: I'm feverishly writing the next issue. Um, I'm a little weird in my magazine. I actually do the August issue at the latest uh, the latest date of the month. Uh, July was that way. I actually skipped over into August. Um, what I do is I uh, motivate myself throughout the month. But uh, I'm, I'm running a series of issues that are based on what I call voice first protocols. These protocols extract what we 're going to need to allow future AI or even current AI to understand humans better, uh, and what this really means is AI as we have it now is using big data, and that 's great, and that part is going to be you know wonderful, but to really understand humans, we have to create protocols of understanding, so I dig deep into psychology uh you know. Human anatomy, I talk about Broga's area, uh, I talk about um, all sorts of uh, advanced neurosciences on how we can understand humans better and codify that in AI. And the next issue will be a phenomenal leap forward in that. So to be my fifth uh, po- protocol I public- publicized, there are over 200. So I got a lot of issues to write.
0: Excellent, excellent. So we look forward to checking that out. I I preach the gospel of Multiplex every week. You need to go to readmultiplex.com. You need to download the app. You need to subscribe, and then you will be smarter. Thank both of you for joining us today.
2: Bradley, I got to preach a gospel here. Uh, LifeBot is an amazing product. Uh, Anybody listening to my voice, go out and get it. Oscar and Jess and the team have put together something phenomenal. I think they've really captured this idea of sort of centralizing within one task uh, or, or one one skill to be able to build many tasks from that. So congratulations to them. I think it's doing phenomenal.
0: So with that, we will get to the news. And our first story this week is from Google. Um, we had some interesting news come out yesterday and today about Amazon, which we'll get to in a minute. But This really uh, sent some shockwaves through the voice world that the Google Home device can now call phone numbers for free. Yes, it's a little bit limited. You can only call folks in your contacts and you can call certain businesses, but still this is a huge development. And Jess, I will start with you. What are your thoughts on the fact that you can now use Google Home to make phone calls? I
1: think this is gonna be really, really exciting. they announced this back at Google I.O. in May. So I've been waiting for this to come live. So I'm really happy to be able to try it out. Um, I think to some extent, this could you could argue that it makes Google one step ahead of Amazon. Because obviously, Amazon Alexa has the feature where you can call, but it's only limited to other Echo devices. So um, if you have a contact that doesn't have an Echo, you can't call them. Whereas here, you can actually call people in your phone book. Um So I think that's going to be really interesting to play out. And I think the fact that it's free over Wi-Fi is going to be so easy. And also um, the fact that Google can actually recognize different voices means that you don't even have to specify whose contacts it is. So if you say, uh, okay, Google, call dad, it will know that it's your dad and not someone else in your family's dad, which should definitely um, help a few things, help people out. Um, So I think... A lot of people are going to argue that maybe this puts uh, Google at one step ahead of Amazon. But actually, I think what's going to be really interesting is um, the idea of these smart devices in the home becoming the new sort of house telephone and this replacing your in-home telephone. And um, whilst this allows Google to become your sort of new home telephone, the limitations at the moment um, are that you can't actually call your home another home device so, um, even though you can make calls out, you can't actually take inbound calls, which is one thing that the Echo can do right now. So, I think in terms of if you were to have uh, Google sort of racing against Amazon, I don't think uh, Google has really sort of taken the edge just yet. And it all sort of really depends on the way you see these devices. So, obviously, Amazon's gone sort of in-home first and that's why you can only call other Echo devices, and it's all centred around this, this ecosystem, around the Echo device, and anything beyond that is sort of supplementary, whereas Google has gone the opposite way, and the the home device, the Google Home is more of a complementary device to your phone, which is why I think it makes sense that you can actually um, use the home to, to ring people's mobiles, but you can't yet use the mobile to ring your home. But I think for now, as a as a solution that's out there, it's just going to be so convenient for users. And yeah, I'm really excited to try it out and start calling people from my Google Home.
2: Well, uh, that was great points that Jess made. And uh, I I have to say this, you know, historically, if you want to see where the very first, let's call it technologically based social network developed, it was in the late 1800s and uh, helped uh, perpetuated by a guy named Alexander Graham Bell the phone was the very first social network and a lot of people don't see that through this lens so if we really kind of look at that sort of lens and we move forward uh, it is absolutely critically important that any voice first device uses something like uh, the telephone system if you will of course It's a reasonable facsimile to the telephone. But like Jess said, this is the replacement for the home telephone. And it only went away because the technology that drove that and its use case diminished with the cellular phone. And some critics and maybe what people who are not watching very closely be like yawning and saying, oh, big deal, you can make calls on it. What we're not really seeing is that we're connecting people especially people within our inner circles. Social networks are always concentric circles, right? The most inner circle is generally relegated to family and friends and and, and close uh, colleagues. And the ability to send short bursts of vocal messages or translated messages via a voice assistant, which is the complementary part of this that I'm predicting will come very, very soon. And there'll be different filters that one may have that will make using that sort of complementary aspect of uh, t- speech to text and back to speech. This sort of social network is intimate, it's instantaneous, and it's vital and vibrant. And so, yes, the the very early stages, you know, if, if you look at the commercials that Google made, they're very effective. They're people, their hands are full, and they need to call a plumber, or you know, they're locked out of their house and some young male uh, sticks her head through the doggy door and says, call the locksmith, right? These are, these are great. And, and, and it shows some of the sort of knee jerk reactions and where these things are going. But where I'm predicting is that of course, everything in the f- home phone and the celloph- cellular phone was doing, but something else entirely. And that is building the binds of a so- social network. So uh, I see this as a very, very powerful move for Google. I think it's going to be a phenomenal uh, aspect to sell, Uh, more Google Home devices. There's a lot of things I would probably do to improve the experience. Jess brought some of those things up. And I think uh, slowly but surely they'll get there. But right now, I would say Google is about neck and neck uh, to to where Amazon is in the communication skill vis-a-vis a a phone-like device, if that makes sense.
0: It feels like it is the first week where Google has had a decisive victory over Amazon since we've started doing the show. And yeah, we'll talk about the SDK we'll talk about the Amazon stuff in a minute, but this, this was a huge deal. And it's also interesting to consider it in terms of further erosion of the smartphone. Every yes. time, every time somebody uh, introduces call functionality that has nothing to do with the smartphone guess what you will need the smartphone a little bit less so um that's that's exciting to me
1: i'm gonna say so completely agree um with you bradley i think since the smartphone came out and became such a a huge part of everyone's life i think it's so exciting to see that actually maybe now that there are other devices that you can interact with that the smartphone will still be there but we will just not become the only thing that you depend on, but will become one of many sort of many interfaces that you interact with every day. So um, if this calling feature allows, allows you to do that, then definitely I think that's a good thing for everyone. Sure.
2: Yeah, I have to follow up on what Jess and uh, uh, has said, and Bradley, what you've said is very, very articulate. You know, we're at a point in time where we're creating these abstraction layers that are above the devices, where the devices become less relevant. And this is a cold, hard fact to anybody that is in a device manufacturing marketplace, specifically Apple, which has uniquely identified itself as a different, as a different system by their unique benefits and attributes. Once you start having these abstraction layers where the voice-first I.O. Uh, operating system and and, and that whole uh, substrate and that layer become the dominant interaction form, yeah, not only is the, the uh, smartphone relegated to a, a least or less used uh, sort of system, it may entirely replace it in some use cases. Not entirely to the point we're not going to touch our cell phones again, but in a lot of use cases, you, may, never, you may, may, may not want to do that. So you're right on target with that, Bradley.
0: I uh, appreciate the commentary on that. Uh, moving on to story number two, which is, I guess, Amazon strikes back. You know, this should have been just Google's week with how big story number one is. But uh, yeah. Amazon had some stuff up their sleeves this week, uh, as it turned out. The first one being that Amazon expands monetization <clears throat> for more types of Alexa skills. Going from just paying makers of games and trivia to include makers of education, Alexa skills, food and drink, Alexa skills, health-oriented Alexa skills, music and audio Alexa skills, productivity, and some other types as well. The other thing they did just before we came on the air is they rolled out a SDK to allow Alexa integration into any number of types of devices. And so, Brian, this is for you. Share with us your thoughts on what Amazon has done this week and how well Amazon is serving Alexa users, Echo users with with some of these new additions they've rolled out.
2: Thank you, Bradley. You know, I think this STK is probably one of the biggest announcements this year uh, from Amazon, and I don't... Think many observers are going to understand that impact uh, until maybe 12, 14 months later. What we're doing here is we are extending the ecosystem that Amazon has built inside of a multitude of devices and other operating systems. What Amazon is doing is sort of what Android did for uh, the smartphone, but they're going beyond that. It's insidious in the sense that you can insert this SDK almost in anything, even inside of an app that runs on iOS, but certainly inside of other hardware devices. And you are almost, in a sense, free to use a lot of the power of this uh, AI that Amazon built without any future compensation to them. I'm not saying they're open sourcing it, but they're certainly opening it up to a much wider level. And that is an extremely powerful thing. Uh, I already know developers. As soon as it was announced, I I put it out, I think a minute after it was announced, I had dozens of people uh, that have reached out to me that are building already. And uh, they were just waiting for this to happen on an official scale. Unofficially, it's been talked about since last year. Uh, But on this scale, it's it's massive. On the other side of it is a monetization. And anybody listening to um, myself and Ahmed uh, speaking to this, the largest crucial aspect of the future of the voice first revolution is monetization now i have a very firm belief system about how monetization has to take place in the future this is not one of those ways to do it but i welcome it and i think it's extraordinarily important that they did it the way they did and at the moment that they did did it the reason being is you can't have a vibrant and vital ecosystem of developers unless you have at least an innocent way to uh, at least let them believe that they're going to get compensated, and today that compensation—I know Ahmed would probably not feel very good about this. I don't, also to some degree, is being chose by so, sort of an opaque sort of process that's centrally decided based on something that's not very clear. Yeah, so
0: it's it, a black box.
2: It is a black box, and you know. That is going to start opening up. I have some knowledge of how that's being that how that's being sort of uh, doled out. I my personal insight to people inside of the uh, Alexa team is to open this up and do it as soon as possible. The black box aspect of this is not good uh, for for the community, and and uh, it only will have a a injurious side effect and the long arc of this, but. I don't want to negate the positiveness of them actually recognizing that there's a value to the developer community and the sort of work that Jess and her team are are, are doing. They deserve to get compensated. They deserve to get a piece of the pie. However, that's being determined uh, to at least partially fund what they're doing. What one needs to do is to go back to the first order. And the first order is what are we building? What we're building is neuronal connections and I'm not trying to find fancy words. I'm not trying to make this more glorified. is in fact, what we're doing when we're building a skill or an app, or whatever you want to call it. And what that means is they become interdependent upon each other, and they become inter- and the OS, if you will, becomes interdependent upon these neuronal connections, at some point, just like the human being the DNA and the hard wiring becomes inseparable from the learned life experiences in a paradigm that human operates under. I use these analogies because those are the analogies we must use to understand where this is going. You I understand? gave
0: you a shout out in uh, the most recent episode of voice first Roundtable where I interviewed Adam Marchik, by the way, I mentioned you oh, in the exact oh, thought process, um, which is very interesting. Jess, your thoughts on Amazon's developments. So okay.
1: this news that uh, more developers are getting paid for different categories is uh, for us at Lifebot obviously quite uh, interesting because we now fall under one of the categories that um, Amazon are paying out for, so under productivity. Um, like you said, this black box is, is a bit confusing in terms of understanding where where Amazon are coming from and how they're calculating it because um, we've spoken to other developers in our community and, and the the money that's being sort of doled out does seem to be sort of, um, well, we can't understand the calculations. It does look like Amazon is sort of sprinkling money where they, where they feel that uh, it's most uh, deserved, hopefully. Um, and, but it is really uh, encouraging as developers to see that um, they are sort of rewarding the most popular apps, but also the apps that hopefully they think have the most potential to become popular with users. I've heard some of the, these episodes before, and I know that monetization, as you said, Brian, is quite a hotly debated uh, topic here and um, I think Amazon paying developers for their skills could be a really important turning point in the way that apps become monetized, hopefully in the in the short future, because if you look at the Alexa skills store today of the fifteen thousand apps, it's arguable that actually um, many or most of them aren't really ready to be monetized yet because the popular ones aren't necessarily skills that people would pay for. So if you take, for example, one of the most popular skills, which are um, sleep sounds, so things like playing thunderstorm noises in the background, I'm not sure how you'd ever charge people for that. Um, and there's this massive divide between the apps that have potential and that are sort of complex and rich in features but don't have users and then the apps that are massively popular, but often seen more as more as gimmicks, and they are much harder to charge for um, and to sort of make money from as developers compared to those that that are perhaps more more complex. So I think by by paying um, developers to create uh, apps that people want to use and that apps that are popular will hopefully mean that we'll start to see a sort of shift and an improvement in the quality of the apps that become. Available and the apps that are created because uh, developers would be incentivized to create popular apps, but also apps that um, users come back to. And as you're saying, this sort of creating neural um, pathways and sort of making sure that users want to keep want to keep returning to these voice apps and want to keep using them. And uh, the level of engagement is apparently one of the one of the um, criteria that Amazon look at uh, when they. And they decide who to award who to their developers so for us this is this is really exciting because if we can improve the quality of um, the voice apps and also the popularity of, of better voice apps or sort of um, voice apps with richer content then it means that maybe in the next uh, six months or, or longer um, we can start to implement a monetization structure where um, users will be in a position where they're sort of. Uh, accepting and ready to pay for voice apps, which right now I wouldn't say uh, they're ready for. Yeah, so for us at Lyft, but obviously we're still brand new and monetization isn't something that we can um, really expect from our users right now. But obviously for us and for, for most developers out there, that's something that we'd like to think
0: about in the future. It is a double-edged sword. It's it's exciting that they've expanded this and, and they recognize that people need to get paid. Um, it is frustrating on the same and to uh, to see the um, frankly the flat out unwillingness to talk about or even contemplate allowing developers to charge for Alexa skills, and I'm sure there's debates going on in Amazon about this. But um, you know, hopefully, what we find out in the coming months is that Amazon has put a lot of money into this, and there's companies that are making you know, like EarPlay is a great example, or like LifeBot, you know, with what you guys are doing, Jess, that are getting well compensated, because if that does not happen, then investment's going to stop flowing into companies that could make uh, really valuable audio skills, and and uh, the whole thing will sort of grind to a halt. So, we'll see what happens, and uh, appreciate y'all's comment, commentary on that. Story number three this week is very interesting. A former Microsoft executive basically <laughs> giving a talk, uh, you know, and, in as executives like to do, uh, in about 10,000 more words than was necessary, uh, saying we blew it with Cortana. Um, and it's, what's interesting about his, uh, recount is that, uh, he's talking about how, you know, in sort of an arrogant fashion, how Alexa was not very good. Um, and Cortana was way better, and then uh, we just uh, didn't take it seriously. And now we're living in a world where it's just nothing but Alexa everywhere. What did you take away from this commentary that this person provided us?
2: I, you know, Bradley, this is kind of been the arc of my life story, watching all this unfold. I, I can go as as far back as Nuance. Uh, Nuance had the opportunity to dominate the voice first market, and a lot of it was, you know, I, I don't want to put anybody thinking down, but it, it, a lot of it has to do with what I call constrained thinking, or what Steve Jobs would call uh, engineering thinking. And what this really means is that if you were to just allow the technicians and engineers to control the future arc of technology, it will probably never be deployed. Uh, Steve Jobs famously walked into the Palo Alto Research Center, 10 years of windowing environments and icons and this modern computer interface. And he said, why isn't this out? Why aren't you selling this? You're Xerox. You have millions of customers. He said, it's not ready yet. He goes, what the heck? It's ready. And he stole it openly with the knowledge of Xerox. They were an investor in Apple at the time. And uh, we're still in that wake. Our, our, Our smartphones are a direct descendant. Uh, of the Xerox Alto system. And of course, all modern computers are. We're in the same boat with voice first right now. I can't stress this enough. Today, engineering companies and technology companies are in control of this technology. Now this sounds weird. It's like, well, of course, they're engineering and technology companies. The people leading it are thinking like engineers and technologists, and they're not seeing how this could be really utilized within people's lives. People like Jessica here and, and other people that I've met in this industry are coming about it from a much different mindset. Very much what Steve saw with the graphic artist. The graphic artist came into the computer world and abolished the command line because prior to that, all the technologists were fine with using command lines. They're saying, oh, I'm not going to waste my bits and my megahertz on moving pretty pictures around the screen. And if we let those folks control that technology, as if like we're going to stop them, but I'm saying if leaders didn't take over, we would still be using command lines today. And the individuals that were involved in Cortana always saw it as an appendage to the operating system. But what do you think, Jess? You're seeing this from another point of view. Do you see some of the same things I'm seeing?
1: Yeah, I actually do really agree with you. I think what it looks like Microsoft didn't do well was just they didn't think about users in the right way and why people would want to use voice assistance and the importance and the potential of that technology as being more than just sort of an add-on that you'd add to to your normal operating system Um, and I think the fact that Amazon sort of took a step back thought, okay let's look at the family let's look at the household where can we sort of help them and put a an AI assistant within the centre of a household to make people's lives easier and that's exactly what they've done and now everyone wants to use Alexa and people are barely even aware that Cortana is is a thing. Um and I think he does he does make a good point that by starting with the home and the centre of people's lives, um that's where Amazon Amazon went did it right and where Cortana and also um Google and Siri didn't perhaps hit the nail on the head. And I think, um, it's not necessarily though such a bad thing because all it's, all it means is that now that Alexa is in everyone's home, people are, are used to this idea of talking in the house and having an assistant that's there. So it's not necessarily, um, vital that, um, Cortana gets inside people's houses because to some extent people are now aware of it and they've accepted it. And it's, it's something that they're used to, so it doesn't matter if um, things like the doesn't matter as much as things like the Apple HomePod comes a bit later into the game because um, people have already sort of been primed to this technology thanks to Alexa. And rather than it becoming a, a sort of add-on to um, to your phone or to to your computer. Um, People are now experiencing voice first through a dedicated device, and then being able to connect to your phone or to other devices is a secondary part of that. Or at least that's what we're seeing seeing with Alexa. That it comes, it sort of is your Echo first in your in your house, and then you can look elsewhere and sort of connect that to to your other devices. And that's especially what we're seeing with our um, our skill for for Alexa. That people are so used to using it in their house, and the next thing they want is to then be able to access it through through other devices, through phones and through through a mobile app or something like that, rather than the other way around. And I think um, that's going to be that's like a really great strategy that Amazon employed, and I think that is what sets it a, a bit ahead of, of Cortana and the others.
0: Episode 7 of This Week in Voice is brought to you by Voice XP, blazing the trail in voice technology. Voice XP is taking the lead in developing Alexa skills for some of the very best brands in the world. And... I can tell you, if you like what we're doing with This Week in Voice, if you enjoy listening to the show every week, if you like what we're doing with the Voice First Roundtable, and you like listening to interviews with some of the best and brightest minds doing interesting work in such an interesting field that is Voice First Development, you really owe it to yourself to check out Voice XP. These guys are doing amazing work. Look up Bob Stolzberg, reach out to him. Find out how Voice XP can help you build an Alexa skill that will take your organization and take your business further. We are so grateful to them for being the exclusive sponsor of This Week in Voice, the exclusive sponsor of the Voice First Roundtable. And we encourage you to check them out at your convenience and support the company that's supporting the Voice First community. Moving on to story number four, Google's messaging application Allo is now available on desktop, and this thing is powered by Google Assistant. a lot of people are excited about this. Jess, what do you take away from this story?
1: Um, so I'd like to take this from a sort of personal user perspective of Google Allo, and just um, fundamentally, I think I can see what Google are trying to do with Google Allo, and I understand the concept, and um, it's... A really good thing that Aloe now allows Google Assistant to sort of be available anywhere, and you don't need um, to access Google Assistant through Google Home or through a Pixel device or one of the later Google devices. And you can have an iPhone and still get access to Google Assistant. And now you can also, obviously, with this new story, um, access it on web. And I did try it yesterday, at, and it works fine. It's easy. Um, and convenience, talk to, to Google Assistant, and as well as your contacts that also use Google Allo. But as a, as a messaging app and um, as a concept, I'm, I'm really struggling to, to see the point of it. Um, it's quite clunky in the sense that if you don't have um, a Google Home or sort of a Pixel device, It's it's not that easy to access Google Assistant. You still have to open another app, and you have to um, then you can message Google Assistant. It's not sort of it's not a seamless um, interaction between it's not direct between you and the user and Google Assistant. And um, this wouldn't be such a problem if people used Google Allo more than they do. Um, As I'm not, I haven't need to check the statistics, but. Google Allo is definitely not one of the most popular messaging apps out there. And it just means that if you're using Allo specifically to talk to Google Assistant, I think for myself, definitely, and for definitely many other users, it just seems like that little bit extra effort to really, to really be bothered to access the Assistant. Um, it's great that they're now accessing, you can now access Google Allo on web. And um, it's almost an exact replica, basically, of WhatsApp web, which... Um, i use every day and a lot of people do and it's um very convenient to be able to access um conversations on on a browser i think it's good that um google have have taken the step to put it on web but i think i think google really needs to think of sort of another way to get google assistant more more prominent and um, the problem with google is well, not a problem, but one of the issues is that unlike Alexa or Siri, where there's this one brand, there's this one sort of identity that people associate with, um, Google Assistant doesn't really have that in the same way. You've got so many different parts of Google that have all got these AI um, qualities, You've got Google Now, there's Google Assistant, there's Google Home, obviously, and um, Google Assistant through Allo. And it just seems that it's quite a disconnected, um, branded experience for, for users and Even though it still all comes under Google, it's hard for for users to really understand what they're getting.
0: But they got some work to do.
2: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you know, I agree with Jess. A uh, quick uh, thing here. You know, one of the biggest problems, uh, well, there's a number of problems that I would solve at Google if I was there, but one of the things is this fractured brand identity is absolutely uh, a paramount thing. And Jess really identified that quite well. You know, the average person doesn't know what the assistant versus home versus Allo, all these different things. And even people in tech don't know. And this comes from that That really unbearably dumb thought of not naming the assistant with an anthropomorphized name, that would have been a unifying thing. If they would have done that day one, they wouldn't have to retroactively go back and try to reunify. So I'm uh, I'm forming a prayer circle that Google uh, will just finally name their assistant please I, I wrote a forbes article uh, almost a year ago more or less begging them to do it i told them i'd come in there and do it for free i know exactly <laughs> how to anthropomorphize it i'm sure jess could do it and bradley I'm doing your prayer circle. yeah let's let's form a prayer circle and uh, so <laughs> google name the item and and all of this will start making sense and and i think jess made a good point on all that
0: well brian if you uh, publish a manifesto on this i guarantee you uh, they will uh, uh. see that
2: don't put me in a manifesto camp, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: too soon, too soon. No manifestos um, <laughs> for me. Um, no, that's uh that's that's great uh commentary, uh, Jess and Brian. I appreciate that. Moving on to story number 5. This is from CNET and this is this is just more of the same from Apple, uh, it seems. The Apple HomePod will be in short supply in 2017, so this report goes uh with approximately half a million units shipping across the world and so brian uh, my question for you is what do we take away from this is this just more apple incompetence or is this just lowering expectations uh because they think it's not going to do well or is this just as much as they can get out and and uh We should be happy about this for some reason.
2: Well, you know, it's really a complex sort of thing, you know, the moving target of all this. Uh, I predicted that the AirPod, uh, uh, you know, release would be one of the most important releases for Apple in uh, 2016, and it would sell out within minutes, and it was the most important release for Apple, and it sold out within minutes. It is also the defining moment of the near-field voice-first system, again- I'd say this, if I was at Apple, I would be making it prominent that this is the near field voice for a system uh, in a de facto. You know, again, there's a whole lot that's left on the cutting room floor. There's sort of a nuanced relationship of, oh, you can use Siri on all this. But the bottom line is, I see a lot of people using AirPods for, of course, music consumption, but also to interact with Siri in a serendipitous way uh, throughout the day. So that sold out, and some people with the case of the AirPods thought that it was purposeful, constrained supply. In the case of AirPods, they are extremely complex devices and really quite underpriced for what they do. I mean, these are full iPhone 5s in each ear. What's going to happen with uh, HomePod? Well, HomePod is sort of a different scenario. It is not going to be anywhere nearly as difficult to manufacture but I think getting it right as far as the supply chain is extremely important for Apple. It's They're notorious for this. So my prediction is they will sell out in minutes. HomePod will be one of the hottest selling items for the uh, holiday season of 2017. I think history will look back at that. Uh, it will compete with the new Amazon device. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, maybe not exactly similar, maybe not even remotely similar, but there will be a new device. And, what i can say is the entire ocean is being lifted we're going through high tide and it's not that it's an either or it's the market is going to expand and the high fidelity market that i uh, that apple is aiming for for homepod is going to rapidly expand and in home music consumption isn't going down it's going up and our next story will cover that in more detail but music consumption is the low one of the low hanging fruit on a voice for a system. Apple's constrained supply I actually think that this is an underestimate. I think they're going to produce about 1.5 million units and they will sell them out rather rapidly. And I believe they'll be in constrained supply for most of the early part of 2018 and the mid to later part of 2018 they'll become relatively available. But yes, I think it's going to do exceedingly well. I don't think it's going to necessarily take away from sales of any other system. In fact, I think all of the systems in the marketplace are going to self-fortify, even the ones that are not as popular. So but it's just a rapid expansion of the market.
0: Yeah, Brian, I'm not convinced. Got to twist at, your arm. at, at the uh, optimism on this. You know, as i as I've said before on this podcast, I don't like the price. I don't like how it was explained uh, at Apple's press event. Um, I don't like how late it's coming out relative to when it was announced. And the whole premise of Tim Cook being CEO of Apple, a uh, supply chain guy, very obviously super sharp guy, is that this type of thing wouldn't happen. And so you have to draw the conclusion when you have a supply chain logistics oriented CEO and you see a report like this, that this is intentional, that there's intentional short supply. And I, you know, maybe there is or maybe there isn't, but that's the uh, logical conclusion to reach and So if that's the game they want to play, maybe that's the way to sell a bunch at 350 bucks. But Amazon's not just going to sit there uh, and let it happen. And I do disagree slightly with the idea that these will not compete. Uh, One thing we know is that, and I forget whose report it was, but there is incredible overlap between Amazon Prime subscribers and I believe it's people who frequent Apple stores on a regular yeah. basis.
2: Yeah, it's a very good study, actually.
0: And, um, and so these people are not, uh, you know, again, as we talked about before, 350 bucks is 350 bucks. And it's my belief you're not going to buy uh, a HomePod as well as Amazon's competitor. You'll choose one. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out.
2: I got to ask Bradley if 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 you th- I hear you what you're saying about Tim and uh I agree with a lot of the premise. If Steve was around, what do you think it would would have looked like? Do you have sort of a crystal ball on how he would have dropped this into market and would he have allowed it to go this far?
0: It's it's hard to say, you know, and I'm I'm a, such a huge Steve Jobs fan as I know you are. Yeah. And um it's hard to say what the form factor would be or what they'd be doing, but I can tell you this. The complacency, the laziness, the the lack of urgency across all phases of Apple right now would not exist. Um, you wouldn't have the Spaceship headquarters at three times the budget, taking three times as yeah. long. You yeah. wouldn't have the HomePod taking extremely long and being delayed. You wouldn't have the AirPods taking extremely long and being delayed. You wouldn't have any questions about leaks. He would have erased that uh, as far as the iPhone goes.
2: How about, I go the murky, how about the murky message on what Siri is and what HomePod is and what AirPods are? Do you think Steve would have really articulated that like a laser beam?
0: Um, uh, it would have been better because uh, it, it wouldn't have been worse. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, um and so you started. know he it, <laughs> yeah so yeah I'm and and I hate to you know I, Apple does so many things right and and I I want to celebrate what they do but uh you know they just um they they got some cultural problems they've got some things they got to figure out and it's bleeding over into now their voice endeavors um and this article is just a, a another example yeah moving on to story number six. This uh, report that came out this week describes the percentage uh, that different people use their smart speakers. And very interestingly, number one is consuming audio content. Jess, what did you take away from this report?
1: Um, so for us, it, it wasn't really anything anything new. Um, I think it's quite uh, a known fact that people are predominantly using their smart speakers, whether that's Google Home or Alexa or anything else. Um, to listen to music and actually uh, last week we conducted a survey with our own users and we interviewed about 200 of them and uh, one of the questions we asked was do you use your Alexa device every day and if you do, what do you use it for? Um, and of the people that said yes, uh, our results are pretty similar to this, this article actually. Um, number one um, thing that people used was music and um, then we had weather. Uh, news, so whether that was the flash briefings or another sort of news skill, um, and then smart home uh, device uh, management. So I think um, not that surprising to see that music is is the main feature, and I think that's um, probably explained because that's not a a new a new use case for a speaker um, and users and people are probably more comfortable um, sticking at first with what they know and uh, using a, a speaker to listen to music. And it is definitely very easy to say, um, okay, Google, play me this playlist on Spotify or whatever, and it can go ahead and do that. But I think another part of the problem that wasn't really mentioned at all in the article was um, the fact that, especially for um, devices like Alexa and Google Home, um, developers are working away and building their apps through these platforms, and yet people aren't actually really using them in the same Uh, volume and frequency as they are with native functionality and sort of pretty basic functionality. Um, It was quite uh, interesting to see that when we asked our users what they used their Alexa for, um, a lot of them didn't actually know what a a third-party app was or what a skill really was. They just stuck to asking Alexa to play music or to to play a timer. And um, it's crazy that people are spending money on these devices. And all they're using it for is to listen to Spotify or to set a timer. And it's a sort of chicken and egg situation here. So either um, the problem is is sort of on Amazon's side for making discoverability of voice apps um, quite difficult. So people and the, the store is quite difficult to navigate. And um, Google has only recently improved their uh, discoverability as well. So people don't know what's out there. But then also... Um, the quality of the voice apps and the sort of content within them might not be things that people want or need to use every day. So a lot of the skills as we already mentioned earlier in this uh, podcast are to some extent quite gimmicky or they're not things that you would actually use regularly. So it might be um, a game or, or a joke skill or some kind of one-off thing that you wouldn't return to for any like sort of particular reason. And it means that unlike um, habits that people are used to, like listening to music, setting reminders or setting timers, um, consuming news information, knowing the weather, that's all things that people are already used to doing every day. So it makes sense that they'd, use, they'd extend that usage to their smart speaker. But for new skills that are trying to come out there and to become habits, um, it's really important that, one, um, Amazon help them out and make it easy for people to to spot them, but also that the, the skills themselves um, is the skill itself is sort of good enough and has that sort of hook um, at the end of it that keeps people returning to it um so obviously for lifebot we're trying to become that skill and to become the sort of first one that um the first third party skill that users actually want to use every day that becomes a habit becomes part of their daily routine and i think hopefully uh over the next sort of year or so, we'll start to see a shift in people's uh, consumption behaviour and their habits and how they use their smart speakers. Because obviously, the potential for them is so great, and you can do so many things with your smart speaker. But there's a frustration because at the moment they're not doing that. So um, I really hope to see that if we take another survey in I don't know six six to eight months time, um, even if it's not our skill that people are using. Smart speakers for a lot more than the music and and timers.
0: It's a bit of a feedback loop that we're going through right now because, in a world where (coughs) developers can't charge for their Alexa skills, there is no incentive to market the Alexa skills very much. Yes. And so then uh, the users don't know that they exist or that there is a third party Alexa skills marketplace. And and then there's less usage and then there's less people making them. And so that's a uh, problem that, that Amazon is working on reversing, you know, with the o- earlier story uh, in this podcast. But um, it's definitely a problem. Now, the other part of it is that is it a surprise that, you know, consuming audio content is number one usage of which podcasts <laughs> is such a big thing? Uh, no, probably not. And, uh, and I will say this is another red flag for HomePod. Because if uh, the vast majority of people are using their Echo devices for audio content, whether it's podcasts or uh, music, uh, guess what? They're not going to care one iota about the uh, highfalutin uh, audio processing uh, that your $350 device has. So this is a real danger red alert sort of report, I think, for the folks uh, at Apple to be looking at more than anyone else. But Jess, I agree completely with, with your analysis and, and thought that was great. Brian, do you have anything quick to add?
2: Oh Bradley, I'm I'm seeing applesauce all on the street, man. You're <laughs> apple. And I, I I I I agree with you. You're 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 right. You know, I will tell you, the, the cycle is really monetization and discovery are tied at the hip in a way unseen before in software development. And these two problems have to be unilaterally solved at the same time. That's what I'm saying that if you aren't really thoughtfully thinking about this and you just get a couple of folks that used to work at you know an app store and you cobble them together and you say, okay, go and monetize these voice apps, you're going down a dead end and... Because there's not just a monetization and discovery, there's invocation monetization and discovery. And all these things sort of interplay amongst each other because without the right invocation systems, and the current invocation system is like the domain system, right? At some point, every possible invocation you could ever have will be dominated. I've already done the math. Once we reach about 750,000 skills, you pretty much used all the invocations up. Now, the question is, what do you do now? Is the market closed? Are all the domain name spaces done? Eh, There's a big problem. That's the longer term problem. The shorter term problem is, you know, we have to monetize it. We already addressed that in today's show and many other shows. And then we have to be able to find ways to popularize it. Is, Is discovery in an app store appropriate for a voice only skill? Do we need to look at an icon? And somehow activate that icon in a visual manner to be able to invocate and uh, adopt a particular skill. That's ludicrous. And I think history will come back and laugh at that. The thing is, we're not thinking enough about it. And, the, and some of the wrong folks are thinking about it. And again, I, nothing against people with, with deep technology and engineering backgrounds. I'm one of them. So I can you know, uh, you know, come from this background. But I'm saying that if you just put those types of folks on this problem, you don't widen the circle. To have creative people do it, you're going to wind up with these problems.
0: So Ahmed would agree yeah. with you. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah Ahmed, uh, uh, a champion of this.
0: Uh, and we've been dealing with an invocation problem ourselves, uh, working with <laughs> with uh, cast uh, who's been uh, turning our podcast into Alexa skills, uh, which is what they do, by the way. Go to forecast. Shameless plug for them. And uh, This Week in Voice uh, has some sort of invitation problem. Yeah, um, i noticed that. I've noticed and that. Uh, they've um, kicked it back, and we're working through that. So we're, we're, I'm sure they're already hitting on some of that upper bound. But uh, anyhow, great commentary. Moving on to our final story of the week, which any excuse to include the verbiage ground control to Major Tom <laughs> is going to be a good story. <laughs> um, you just know that it will be. Um Mega agency CAA uh, is partnering with this other firm called Ground Control to produce voice based applications. Quote for the biggest names in sports, entertainment, and media. And Jess, since this is the last story, I'll start with you, and then Brian get your get your commentary as well. But is this where we're headed, Jess? What did you take away from this with regards to what this agency is trying to do?
1: Um, Yeah, I do agree. I think hopefully very soon every brand every big brand is going to recognize that they need to have some presence in voice and i think what um ground control is trying to do in terms of getting um away from this mechanical voice that people are hearing with alexa and google and other voice assistants is, is definitely a good thing um lots of users complain about um Alexa's voice and Google Assistant's voice and how it sounds like a robot. They don't really understand some of the things it's saying. And I'm sure if you could listen to your favorite um, celebrity uh, actually talking in your house, I think one of the examples I was saying was if you could have your favorite sports um, personality sort of emceeing a a trivia night in your home, then surely that would be a better experience for you um, as opposed to Alexa. Um, the article wasn't too clear on what their their physical plans are to actually um, develop a sort of platform, but it is definitely something that more and more um, developers are starting to look into. And this is going to be um, really exciting to see what they manage to develop. And one uh, startup I would actually like to uh, sort of mention is uh, another startup within Y Combinator this year called Liarbird, and they're doing some incredible things right now with voice and. Um, it actually created this technology that can replicate a human's voice. Um, and all they need is a couple minutes of audio from you, and they can actually um, simulate your voice, and you can make it say anything you want.
0: Uh, no, I have, and, I have gone to their website. It's funny yeah. you mentioned them. That is yeah. one of the spookiest, yeah. craziest. Things. Brian, do you know what Jess is talking about?
2: Absolutely, I, I know some of the founders here. I know some of the technologists, and uh, I can tell you that is just the beginning. And um, I, I can jump in with a little bit about it. But what I what I can tell you is this, and I got to be careful. I, I'm in Southern California, and I'm I've had a lot of meetings in with Hollywood studios concerning voice over the last two years, and I, I may or may not know directly about the CAA thing. What I can tell you is this. We are going to see a Cambrian explosion of talent that is going to come through these systems, and it's going to completely change a lot of critics' views on how dimensional this is going to be in people's lives. And Jess brilliantly touched upon some of this about bringing certain personalities into the home and having them interact. I will tell you that it will go there and then some. And the groundwork has already been laid down. Fortunately, some very astute individuals in Hollywood, uh, I started conversing with them, well, it's actually over three years ago. Uh, we started working out the proto-contracts of what it will look like for talent to extend their uh, talent into these sort of artificial environments where their voice is being either live Uh, captured or simulated with a voice synthesizer and they have the groundbreaking contracts and CAA is representing a lot of the talent and that will be coming into this. And I can tell you this, don't be very surprised if a Hollywood studio Comes out with their entire voice first device built from the ground up, with absolutely no help from Apple, Amazon, or Google. Don't be surprised if that happens. So I'm going to say, uh, yeah, it, it, it yeah. is. It is not being ignored. It is not going to be ceded to, to just a group of startups. I can tell you that. Um, and it's nothing against startups or anything. I'm very pro startup. I'm just saying that the individuals that I know in Hollywood are well aware of this. I take some responsibility for notifying a few of them of how potentially dangerous it is if they don't control the narrative on their own talent and uh, they're in front of it. So we'll start seeing some of that sort of unravel and the CAA notice is the very first shot in that, uh, in that battle. Um, But I think, I think within a year from now, we are going to be absolutely thunderstruck by some of the things that are going to be coming out. And again, I, I'm, I'm preaching this constantly. We're going to have a big, wide-open market. It's not going to be Android versus Apple, iOS. It's not going to be a PC versus Mac. People are going to have a lot of really good reasons to own a multitude of devices, and when Hollywood gets done with it, they're going to create a new reason to own one of these devices. Let's put it that way.
0: Hmm. Excellent analysis. Uh, Jess and Brian, thank you very, very much for setting your time aside this week and for sharing your insights and your experience uh, with not just me, but the audience as well.
2: It was a Thanks pleasure. Yeah. I hope to hear Jess back on the microphone because this has been astounding.
0: Jess, you're yeah. We, we needed some class in this show. So uh, he, he, makes, he us sound, <laughs> makes us
2: all sound much much more intelligent. Yes, yes.
0: Um, Jess, you're very appreciated, and thank Brian, you, so you are well. as well. Um, thank you for episode seven, August seventeenth, twenty seventeen of this week in voice. Thank you for listening.